Welcome back, everyone, to another week of a Slab Sox Live here on YouTube. We've switched the time from 5 p.m. Eastern time to 6 p.m. Eastern time for this week and going forward to accommodate for uh, the most people that can join the live at a certain time because we love that live feed uh, blowing up in the chat as we're going through these questions like we'll do today again. Nate, thanks for joining me for another week. This is week number three now. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Really actually look forward to YouTube lives on uh, uh, Monday nights. Uh, actually become one of my favorite parts of the week. Yeah, for sure. You. Same with me. Uh, you know, we decided a couple weeks ago to start this up, and it's for sure my, I think, almost my favorite piece of content we do now. So let's get this uh, screen shared up here and just start ro rolling through it because, of course, it's going to take us about an hour or so. Uh, so first question here from Michael Brown, 28. We have, what are some pros and cons when buying NBA Panini Donruss versus Optic which is a better investment? So as you can see here on the screen, we have the optic. I'll stop that highlight. There we go. We have the optic rookie on the left in the enlarged picture and then the Donruss on the right for the PSA 10s. Uh, for the pop report, there's 3,032 PSA 10s for the optic. There's 4,209 PSA 10s for the Donruss. Uh, looking at the sales prices, most recently we've had $725 buy it now for the optic PSA 10 and a $375 buy now for the Donruss PSA 10. And these are trending upwards right now going into the season. Uh, this past week, we've really seen basketball start to go up more in value. I will get into that more as this show goes on. But when debating these two sets, so basically Donruss is your paper product, and then Optic is the Chrome-like product. If you're thinking of baseball, Donruss is much like Topps flagship. And then Optic is a lot like Topps Chrome. However, it's not the same when it comes to the values because in baseball, as we know, um, the Topps flagship paper cards actually sell around the same as the Topps Chrome now for most players or the uh, flagship base cards or more um, even. But in basketball, the Optic is for sure worth more than the Donruss as we see here. Optic's a more expensive product, um, definitely one that people want more. And when I think about the two sets compared to each other, I think back to like 1996, with Tops and Tops Chrome for Kobe Bryant. Uh, the Tops Chrome PSA 10s are ludicrous prices. Um, of course, that's because of how tough of a card it is to grade and all other factors in there. Uh, the Tops PSA 10, there's much more of them around. Even the Tops production run, there's much more of them around. I'd expect a similar case here with tons of Donruss rookies out there versus less optic rookies. And if I'm deciding, oh, should I spend the extra money on the optic? Uh, I personally would. Now, I know that not everyone can just say, let's toss in another 350 bucks or so uh, to get that optic rookie card. So do you decide just to buy the Donruss and maybe you know add something else in there? It, it's an interesting debate. Um, I think that you can probably go optic PSA 9 for around the value of Donruss PSA 10. So that's another thing to consider. Um, and then, of course, now, as uh, Ziggy said in the chat, we do have clearly Donruss this year. It just came out within the last week. So that's another Donruss set added into the fold. Donruss slash Optic. Nate and I were just talking about it today, actually. Um, do we think that Donruss clearly or clearly Donruss might actually, you know, hold up over time because it's a really exciting Donruss set versus the, you know, the normal Donruss set, which is a little more meh with the paper. And I, I was telling Nate, I think it really just depends on uh, how the graded card market shakes out. It's the first year of the release. We have to see how the PSA 10s are selling the PSA 9s. Um, and of course, the prices will probably stabilize within the next month or so. But there's a lot to consider there. If it's me, I'm going Optic is the better investment. But I understand if you can't get into the Optic PSA 10, maybe go Optic PSA 9. Um, just also jumping in the chat. What's up, everyone? Ziggy, Michael Brown, NHLJ. Uh, a bunch of people have said hi. D-Nick, the one. 
uh, Global Sports Cards. So welcome everyone that is uh, joining. Um, Aaron brings up, or the clearly, which was a question I had to Aaron today, which he just answered was, do we think it's the right one? And I'm just thinking that because, like Aaron said, Donruss is so boring. Um, nobody wants Donruss, right? Uh, it's kind of a it's football, ba basketball. People will buy it because it's less expensive, but nobody really wants it. So it's clearly going to be that thing that sets the Donruss name up and up a notch. Yeah, so I'll not, tell you it's what. Not, it's not Donruss Optic. It's clearly Donruss or whatever. Yeah, the the Don uh, the clearly Donruss acetates, of course, are all acetates, but the foil acetates numbered out of 10 are super, super cool looking. They're amazing looking cards. I'm sure those are going to do super well for sure. And also, thanks, everyone, for joining up. If you want to hit that like button to help this video get out to more people out there so we can have more discussion in the, in the live feed about these uh, different questions, that'd be awesome, and we appreciate that for sure. All right, moving on to the next one. You know, Nate, do you agree with me that you'd rather go with the optic PSA nine slash ten if you can? I would. I would go with optic all day over over regular Donruss. I've never personally. I've never looked at Donruss cards and said, "Man, I want to own that." Yeah, same right? with me. Where I I've looked at a, plenty of optic cards and said, "Yeah, that'd be cool to own." I, I would say that some of the Donruss lasers actually look pretty cool. The ones that have like the foil that's like it's kind of like a sunburst, but you know that's getting into very small. Uh, parallel debate at that point, but as a product whole, I'd agree. All right, so thoughts on Trout Prism 2012 PSA 10, even though it is not licensed, low pop around 400. So we have the price here. Last one sold on auction for $370 shipped. Um, that's probably a little bit lower than the others, but uh, actually, I don't think it was the last auction, I think it was just the best looking picture that I grabbed because the others were pretty <laughs> crappy pictures. Um, and then we have the pop report here. And as you can see, I actually have to maximize the screen a little bit. 417 PSA 10s, 156 PSA 9s. Um, I think my thoughts on this, it's not a rookie, quote unquote. It's a Prism rookie because it's the first year Prism, but it, his rookie cards came out in 2011. Um, my thoughts on this is, is the first year Prism going to stay around? Right? And Aaron, you'd probably know better than me. Um if, if, if it does, if the hype for 2012 Prism Basketball and uh, 2012 Prism Football and 2014 Prism Soccer? 2016 Prism Soccer? Wait, 2014. 2014 Prism Soccer and 2012 Prism Baseball s sticks around, then, yeah, it's a, it could be a good product. But if that slowly but surely goes downhill, um, I just don't see it being a worthwhile I mean, investment. Let, let's be honest. That's the only reason why this card's worth good money. It's the only reason why this card's a multi-hundred dollar card is because of the fact that it is the first prison baseball product. But at the same time, do we even care about prison baseball now? I mean, the only reason why I think that 2012 prison basketball is important is because we really care about prison now and same prison football. That's still important. Now, prison baseball is totally irrelevant. It has been for years. I get why people might like it. I get that they can look at the pop reports. I guarantee you that there's a lot of these at PSA getting graded right now in the backlog. So this pop report will not stay low around 400 uh, for too long, especially because the card's worth value now. I yeah. I don't see it. I It's not even a rookie card. It's not a 2011. And if you'll you're going notice, for Aaron, nine, yep, you'll notice that the, the pop here says low pop 357. Now, maybe they... Maybe they redid, you know, retook somebody somebody else's uh, listing, probably what they did. And then you look at the pop and it's 417. But between whenever this card got first listed and now it's jumped up, you and, know, 60. 
Well, it's guaranteed in the last three months that it was. I would almost venture to guess if there's no other listing like that, of course, then. Well, there were, there, were, there were a couple. I don't know when it I don't know when it started, but at least three months added 60, 60, right? We yeah, can, we I, can we can for sure say that. Yeah, and and I'd even say that I've been so I've every day when we send our emails. If you haven't signed up, go to slabstocks.com, scroll on the page a little bit, and sign up for it. it says Sunday Inbox Trends. Um, you'll get direct emails about our you know uh, eBay targets and investment newsletter daily. Each day when I go through and do the pop reports, I really need to update those numbers again because uh, I've you know just been doing some copy and paste to get those numbers recently. But I've noticed that. Some of these cards, I mean, there's a hundreds of tens being added a month or less, and there's a huge backlog sitting there. And I do really think that this card will be a thousand pop card at some point. It will definitely double in, by quarter, end of quarter one, 2021. I can almost guarantee it, uh, especially because it's a base card, which is uh, why. Yep. No, you can keep going. Keep going. I'm just gonna say, which is why. Um, you know, base cards are risky because there's a lot out there. Once people actually unearth them, if they become valuable, get graded, then we start to see more supply. The demand definitely has to stay for this card to even be up in that multi-hundred dollar range. Given all the other factors we talked about and not even being a rookie, I was just going to add, if I'm going non-rookie Trout, I'm going 2012 Tops Heritage for sure or 2012 Tops Chrome because he didn't have a 2011 Tops Chrome rookie. I like that. I like that uh, approach instead of the prism. Uh, a yeah. couple comments over here. Keylock Kick says, first edition of a popular set, I would say it sticks. Um, prism Keylock Kicks is definitely a popular set, like Aaron mentioned. It's just Prism Baseball, not popular, and hasn't been popular ever. Uh, yeah. And so so there's there's the prism name which is popular but prism baseball which is not popular so you got to you, you know you got to balance those two out and then Ziggy knows sports cards dropping a little bit of uh, uh, knowledge on us did you know 2020 will be the first calendar year with no NBA prism release 1920 released in 2019 2021 will release in 2021 yeah it's coming out in March. It's a really delayed approach. I was just talking with Sam about it yesterday because Sam is releasing a Sam Dunks video tomorrow based on the NBA release schedule and also the prospects with the season coming up. And we were talking. I'm like, dude, there's no prism until March next year. And if you think about it, normally the draft happens in June. The season starts in October and we have prism by December. Um, this year, the draft isn't happening until middle of November. They have to do the photo shoot, whatever else to get those pictures in their jerseys. Um, there's no way they can turn around that in like two weeks. So then of course it gets pushed out. I'd even be, you know, kind of surprised to see it come out of March. That seems really quick as it is, but I'm sure that they're trying to speed some stuff up because that product has to get out before the season's winding down for a lot of those rookies that aren't going to make the playoffs. Um, that product needs to be out. So, you know, hopefully it comes out of March and doesn't get pushed back more. I agree. Uh, also 42 pro says 2021 top series one is going to get a lot of my money. Uh, that is also going to be me unless I can't find retail. So I'm kind of hoping <laughs> I don't find retail because I don't have the money to spend. <laughs> Classic Nate, addicted to retail packs. All right. Concourse or Premier, we're talking select basketball here. One has less pop. The other looks better. Uh, talking about the Concourse looks better than the Premier. Um, right now, they are basically the same price. Which do you think will do better in the short run versus the long run? Courtside or Silver Premier? slash silver concourse so there's actually a couple different questions there's, here yeah. so let me just go one at a time so what you're looking at on the screen is the concourse on the left the premiere on the right luka Doncic, uh silver rookie psa 10s from 2018 select and the con the concourse sold for around 3500 
in end of October, beginning of November, the premiere went for around 3,050. So if you look in the top right corner, we have the pop report numbers. Card number 25 is the concourse on the left. And that one's a pop a PSA 10 of 152, total of 220. Premiere is a total of 176 and a PSA 10 of 154. So very similar pop report numbers. Uh, the concourse has a, a couple more graded. The premiere is an easier grade. And wondering which one is the better investment, I'm assuming. You know, I actually really like the premiere cards. Now, the premiere cards, their serial numbered cards are die cuts. So I think people just don't respect them as much because the extra cards of it, the serial numbered cards are all die cuts, which people don't like as much. But the concourse has a straight like Every single card looks like this. The parallels just have a switch of the border color. Uh, that seems to stick better with collectors, and it seems like it's like the respected base set of Select. So the base set of Select is normally the Concourse. The court side is the super rare set in Select, and then the Premier is more the like die cut, you know, different type of set. Even when I say set, I mean subset because there are 300 cards in select. The first 100 are concourse. The second 100 are premiere. And then the third 100 are courtside. I don't happen to have a courtside picture on here because I completely forgot the last part of this question. But talking about courtside base versus silver premiere and silver concourse, I can pretty much say off the top of my head that a silver PSA 10 courtside Luca, sorry, a base courtside PSA 10 Luca is around a pop 140 for a PSA 10 and it sells for around $5,000. So that card is much more respected as we sit right now, the courtside PSA 10 base Luca short print versus the silver PSA 10, even though that the pops are around the same. Um, I, I'd venture to guess that there's similar production run between those cards, but the courtside does much better. I think it is a better looking card. Those look amazing from 2018. In my opinion, one of the best courtside sets ever. Um, and talking long run here, what would I go with if I'm choosing? I would probably... It, it's a really tough call because all these are so similar. They're all, they all have good pop numbers. They're all low. They're all rare. Uh, they're all worth a lot of money, of course. I think that I would probably do the court side just because it's such a unique card and the pop is so low. And we know that there's short prints, the base in there. They're really, really rare. There's only two court sides per box, I think, of any parallel uh, per box of select. And you're for sure getting more silvers than that, I feel like, of the concourse per box. Maybe you're not. Um, but so similar stuff. I just I go with the courtside PSA 10. However, something to think about is it is much more expensive. So maybe it is worth going with the premiere if the numbers are similar. But I don't know if that premiere set ever gets the demand that the courtside or the concourse gets. I just said a ton of words, Nate. I don't know if, if you if you have any more thoughts to add, but I'm gonna pr pretend like I paid attention the Wait. entire time. Here we go. Here we go. This yeah. is important. Dwayne just said, answer is just go select. And I will agree with that. That's a great way just to put it. Wait. Select has got great pop report numbers and uh, very nice looking cards. And it's hobby only, which is very important too. So it's a are great you, way to put it. Are you sure his name's Dwayne and not however you said it the first week? <laughs> hey, I, I'm super right. Just as right as you are about saying, uh, what do you say? Chavi? No, you said uh, Chavi. I don't even remember what you said. Oh, no. It was the X and you said Xavi or something. <laughs> it's Chavi. Yeah, whatever. No one remembers. <laughs> no one remembers that. No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, right. Select. We love Select here. Yes, for sure. All right. Here you go, Nate. Okay. So Michael Thomas is returning this week and his prices have dropped 60 to 75% in the last three months. This seems like an amazing time to buy arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. Any thoughts? Um, quick thought, number one, Tom Brady gets destroyed last night by Drew Brees and the Saints. 
um, 38 to three. And I have no idea what to make of this NFL season because the Packers destroyed the Saints. Obviously, Michael Thomas didn't play, but the Packers destroyed the Saints. I'm like, yeah, the Packers are a good team. And then the Packers lose to the Buccaneers and they lose to the Vikings. And I'm like, ah, oh, maybe they're not a very good team. And then the Buccaneers destroy the Packers. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they're a good team. But then they lose 38 to three. And so it's been all over the place. At one point, I didn't think the the Saints were good. I thought the Packers were good. And I didn't think the Packers were good. And I thought the Buccaneers were good. And then I didn't think the Buccaneers were good. And I think the Saints are good. So I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to make of it. Um, as for Michael Thomas, you see here, uh, we've got some prices up here. And so September 9th, 2020, this is a day before the season started. The season started September 10th on a Thursday. Um, and this is $809 shipped. You fast forward all the way to the last sale, the last auction auction sale that has happened on eBay, and that's October 29th. So it's a little bit ago. Um, we're looking at $197. Can I make so, a statement quick? Yeah. This Michael Thomas card was the most overpriced card in the moment. One of the most overpriced cards of 2020 on that September 9th sale. $805 for Michael Thomas that was worth like 50 bucks in his most of his career is outrageous. Yes, and it's it all because some people started to buy up wide, running backs and wide receivers because of fantasy football rankings. And then everyone started to get hyped around that who just fell into, you know, just everyone talking about it. And that's what happens. And now we see why running backs and wide receivers should not be invested in if you're trying to play it safe, I should say. I don't want to tell people I can't buy running backs and wide receivers if they want to, because if you want to, you can. But there's so much risk that comes with it. And this is pretty much right here why <laughs> yeah so you're looking at the risk and so the question is you know it's dropped a bunch 75 percent just right here um seems like an amazing time to buy i would say no one because of what aaron just pointed out that they're overpriced number two because if you look up dalvin cook and i'm sorry i didn't make a slide out of this but dalvin cook has had back-to-back -back games where he's gotten 200-plus yards from scrimmage. He had four touchdowns last week. I don't know how many touchdowns he had this week. I probably At least one. At, At least, least one. one. Um, at the start of the season, before the season started, you're looking at $250 for a PSA 10, Dalvin Cook. Now, as of today, there's a couple that have best offer accepted, cross out 205 and cross out 199.99. After the two best games from Dalvin Cook of his like career back to back, we're talking lower prices than what they were at the start of the season. And Dalvin Cook hasn't been injured; uh, he missed a couple games, but he has he's played eight games and he has eight hundred. No, six games. He's Let's played six say, games. He's played six yeah. games and has eight hundred and like sixty-five yards from scrimmage and like twelve touchdowns. Yeah, let's just say he's like the best skill position player in the NFL this year. Um, so he's been the best back in the NFL, and yet his prices are still lower than at the start of the season. So what you're seeing in Michael Thomas isn't just injury. It's people just not being interested in investing in those players right now. So I would say, no, now is not the time to buy Michael Thomas. Now is the time to focus on uh, basketball specifically and or save that money and in a month or two focus on baseball. I'd even say look at some of the quarterbacks that are doing well but are down 50% from well, we the season have, we have a slide. We have a slide on that later. All right. Well, to add in here, 42 Pro says 
for wide receiver and running back, you need to be realistic on returns. 50 to 60% gains are solid. Don't have to two to four X every card to make money. Totally agree there. 100% agree. But go, elaborating further on what Nate said, I was actually looking in to making a post on Dalvin Cook uh, last week after he destroyed the Packers. Super sad about that. And his cards literally went up $10 from like when when Nate said they were 250 they went down to like 150 after everyone started to lose interest in those football cards. And then they only went up to like 175 after that game. And now recently after this last game, again, doing amazing. It's definitely not above 180. It's you know, going off of what Nate just said. Yeah. So, so there's just so little opportunity if you think about how well Dalvin Cook did. And Vincent says Burrow and Herbert getting all the attention. I would also say Tua and Kyler Murray. Yeah, but the interesting, interesting thing is that Kyler Murray prices haven't moved in the last four weeks. They've been like... $500 PSA 10s over the last four weeks. But at least they haven't dropped. That's, I mean, that's better than what most of the market has done in football. So yeah. you're right there. All right. Moving on to the next one. And before we move on to this next question, thank you to all 81 viewers here. Really appreciate it. Please hit that like button to help us distribute uh, this video to more people. And if you're interested in submitting a question for next week, go to the description of this video. We have a link to the form for next week's uh, YouTube uh, live uh, question and answer submission form. And if you want to, there's actually a donation feature through the chat uh, that we will see and we can answer questions live for you right now too. We will we will touch on a few here and there, uh, but it's an easy way for us to see it right away for sure. Um, next question is from Tim Chuck Sports Cards. Thank Before you, Eric. Say, Yeah, Eric just said, I just smashed the like button. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, everyone says collegiate products drop in value, which I agree with, but it's a national championship team. It might be a good long-term investment. Curious how you approach collegiate products from an investment standpoint. Thanks guys. There's definitely a, uh, some words left out here. Cause I do not know which national championship team he was referring to, but I will just talk about collegiate products in general. And I know that, you know, Zion wasn't on a national championship Duke team, but this is still a good point. So September 30th is the most recent sale for this immaculate Duke patch auto number 25 um, from the jumbo premier collection, whatever for immaculate. And so for $1,650, if we go back a year to when this product released in October of 2019, so there's a lot of sales here. Of course, uh, the, the very first one came October 13th, right when the product came out for three K. So that's a huge, that's a huge release price that always happens with, you know, no, normally all releases, especially this one. Cause it's featured some of the first Zion on card autographs. And then it went down right away around 2400 1800 that $2,950 sale I'm assuming is going to be shill bidded which means that people came in and tried to up the price just to make it look better or get a higher sale and then the one October 21st of 1600 so in reality sure from October 21st until now you could say this card is like plus 50 bucks from now it's 1650 to the 1613 but if you really think about it imagine all the Luca you could have bought with $1,600 last October You'd be sitting on like five figures plus right now. So all those people that came into the hobby over the last year, so many people into the basketball car market. And right here, we have had zero price movement over a year. Uh, I would just discount all collegiate products if you are buying for investment purposes, trying to secure ROI. I will say the only time it might work is if you can buy super low on Prism Draft Fix Basketball, grade them up via PSA for cheap, and then flip them as PSA 10s. That can work. It's not necessarily something I'd recommend doing, but I'm just saying, if you really are in it for the college, like that's one of the only ways I can see it work. 
And this year might be another opportunity, um, something that Sam will elaborate on tomorrow. But with with the draft not happening until mid-November and then, you know, the season coming in December, there's going to and then Prism coming in March, there's going to be a lot of time where there won't be many products out there. So I could see some of the college uh, cards actually, you know, changing in value based on performance this year and more demand coming for certain players. But it's not something that I would recommend jumping into. I would save your money. Just be patient, please. And wait for NBA cards to come out of those rookies if you want them. But even further, I would recommend spending money on past rookies are going to be way better than this class. And that would be really the route I'd go for sure. And even further than that, find that really uh, unexpected stud from a point guard standpoint. Like, I don't know, Frank Mason um, by him. Yeah. And also, we do have a comment here. uh, Good for PC from Vincent. Aloy, and that's completely true, is that I agree with that college cards are good for PC. I have a ton of Jonathan Taylor Wisconsin cards. Um, Nate has some uh, Kansas cards, which he actually might be showing here right now, uh, of his Jayhawks. Right here. Let's see if I can get these things bigger for everyone, just so you guys can see. I'm going to remove this screen. Go hit it like this. There we go. Not a college card, but you know. There's some college cards. Coming up all the autographs. Show the autographs. There you go. Svee, you know. Oh How many you got of those? <laughs> oh, I I buy uh I like to buy uh when when a Kansas Jack pops up cheap, I like to buy. You know? <laughs> uh loses a Dwayne Dotson of ten for thirty bucks. <laughs> what a chump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh <laughs> All right, moving on here. With the hobby growing towards rarity, will we see growth in the unpopular short print? Cards such as Fast Break and Red, White, Blue. Fast Break serial number cards seem to be very cheap compared to the Prism slash Ice Parallels. And the next question is very similar. So I grabbed some data here on Trey Young. Uh, similar sale dates between, they're a week apart, but 2018 Prism Red Fast Break number 125 down there. PSA 10 sold for $1,922. And then the Purple Ice number 149 PSA 10 of Trey Young from Prism sold for $2,900. So the difference between these two cards is that the purple ice, first off, better looking. And then the uh, prism fast break red on the bottom, they came out of two different box configurations. The top one came out of hobby boxes, which is like the big, you know, release for prism. You want the hobby boxes if you're doing investments and in the sealed boxes, I'd say those are the best boxes. That's where the best cards come out of. You can get the golds out of 10 out of there, the black one of ones the mojo out of 25 you go on a fast break and you have a bunch of different weird parallels that are added like the red disco the blue disco purple disco it's all just kind of like an additive that isn't the real thing so yes people still buy them they're obviously worth money 1900 for a psa 10 red number 125 but that's more scarce than the purple ice number 149 that went for 2900 uh, definitely the purple ice from hobby is a way to go over the past year and a half I've been telling people, you know, or helping people buy different basketball cards in our email network. Um, I've been pushing all along. Hobby parallels are the way to go. You got the purple ice of 149, red of 299, blue of 199, uh, purple of 75, orange of 49, blue ice of 99, mojo of 25, gold of 10, black gold number of five, and black one of one. I think that's all of them for the serial numbered hobby. I know that was fast, but you can watch this back later. Um, that's the way I go. And then to talk about and to answer the question, do I think with people going towards rarity, will they start to you know favor something like the red 
fast break number 125 over the purple ice of 149 i do not think so i think that the demand is going to be with those hobby parallels the good looking ones the purple ice is amazing looking card and then in terms of the red white and blue compared to the base um i do not like the red white and blue parallels i do think that that's probably the very worst kind of like a uh depending on the year kind of looks like a, a barbershop, barbershop. yeah 2018 looked like a barbershop so i'm not saying that it's just like awful you shouldn't buy it I just believe that it's the worst prison parallel. So I guess that's kind of ripping it. Uh, it comes out of the hanger packs. There's three per pack for those. And then comparing it to the base, the base is just like what the most people want. Uh, you don't see everyone going nuts for red, white, and blue. And I don't think that that'll happen in the future. I think buying the base is a better bet, even if the pop report numbers suggest you should buy the red, white, and blue. I'm always about those pop report numbers. Now, if you get into like, should I buy the green over the base? 100%. I totally think that because 2012 Prism had greens all the way up to 2019 now. And for the foreseeable future, I'm sure it'll stay in there. So that's a different discussion. But uh, for the most part, definitely stick with the hobby over the fast break if we're talking serial number parallels and that much money. Uh, jumping over to the comments here quick. Uh, Jonah says, yet his rookie silver PSA 10 is still 2000 um yeah, i actually have a slide coming up with that later in the oh nice that's okay so we won't talk about that uh <laughs> justin says hey what's up justin uh and then jack says best way to start with a small budget i think this is kind of an interesting topic to just really quickly hash out here yeah um because i have a i have a thought i don't know if you have a thought but i have a thought and my thought is that you're probably not going to get name brand guys so you're going to want to start looking on the fringes of guys that can either become starters um uh, or potentially starters, not guaranteed starters. But like last year, I really loved Vonda Graham, mainly because I'm biased towards Kansas Jayhawk players, but also because I was like, there's not much talent there in Charlotte. I know what he can do. If he gets the chance, I bet he could become a starter. Sure enough, he did. You could have bought his cards for like 25 cents, and now they're selling for like 13 bucks a piece, base, non-graded. Um, in baseball, you know, if you're going like prospecting side, you look for pitchers that seem like they might be able to explode with the right teaching and you find a guy for three bucks and turn him into eight bucks, nine bucks. Um, they're not going to be big name guys, but you can definitely do it if you find the right guys in the right situation. Yeah, and I think that you go look at it two ways, like Nate's saying. Do you buy the guys that can get into a better situation and their cards are cheaper for the good brands, or do you buy the stars just in worse cards? And if you're doing that, if you're buying the stars in worse cards, like I'm talking – Like Donald I'm talking, yeah, buying Donruss or buying like even even if a 2019 Prism draft picks like John Morant, um, if you're you know looking at that big of a budget uh, mm -hmm. drop, then that might be a, a way to go if you're able to go the grading route. I do not think that there's much of a market for non-graded uh, John Morant just trying to flip him like that. But if you go with the graded route, um, off of that, you know, fifteen seventeen dollars a card, then you can do well there too. I think. I think you just got to look at one of two ways. Am I going to prospect on? on small guys that can get big or am i just going to go with the guy solid guys with worse cards so the roi is probably more limited but it's more safe in some cases with erling holland being renowned as one of the bright young stars in soccer is he a hold or sell highs expectations are still huge for him being on a lacking national team i feel like there may be better investments but i do enjoy watching him play while owning one of his top value cards that's my dilemma thank you so I will. I, I did not really pull this question to give a big breakdown on Erling Holland and his national team possible success or not success. Um, I really just want to focus on the last sentence here before the dilemma part. I feel like there may be better investments, but I do enjoy watching him play while owning 
one of his top value cards. There's not much more that you can ask for than having fun in the hobby, owning a card of one of your favorite players, be, having it be valuable, and enjoying the fact that you can you know partake in Erling Holland's success as he goes through different clubs and plays well with Dortmund. And clearly, he's amazing too. He's you know scores a ton of goals. Has been in the Champions League since he's been in the Champions League with Salzburg. Um, I think that's one of the best ways you can look at sports cards is you know owning a piece of a guy you love watching and love enjoying seeing to do well. And for that reason, I think you should hold it. I don't know if this is the exact card you have, the PSA 10 refractor of Holland, but it's very short print, I know. And uh, the PSA 10 pop will be low. And it's 2775 right now. Um, if, you, if you're not in a bad financial situation, I'd say hold it, enjoy watching and enjoy the ride because that's one of the best things that you can do while, with sports cars. I mean, that's why so many people are involved or to take part in, in the sport with also owning a, a small portion of a player in a card. It's really fun. Aaron, how much fun was it a couple of years ago, summertime, when we're paying attention to, you know, we buy pictures for prospect autos when nobody else did because everyone's like, don't buy pictures. But how much yeah, fun talk, was talking it? like two years Two years ago, we're talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two two plus years ago, in fact. Yeah, a while ago. Um, how much fun was it to watch Nate Pearson his first year? Uh, watch, you know, Josiah Gray, guys like that uh, dominate. And you're like, you know, you don't normally pay attention to minor league baseball, at least most people. And yet you follow along with these guys and you're really excited when they play in double A and throw six innings of two hits and eight strikeouts you know yeah i i'd say i like probably had a year to two of really in, a big involvement in the minor league baseball bow and crow market back in the day with nate and uh that was you know that was the way i was involved in minor league baseball over this last year and a half or so you know not being in the bowman chrome prospect market investing in it, buying selling whatever you know i really don't have that big of an interest of course i have an interest from the fact that it's part of the card market it's a bit you know it's a very big baseball sector and all that stuff like i definitely care for it but you know, I don't. I wouldn't follow just a random pitching line of some Astros prospect who's number five on the list for the fun of it. You know, like yep. I had a bunch of Forrest Whitley, and it really you know made me a big fan of Whitley, and made me you know really want to check up on the scores and his his pitching lines and everything. And, and it's just it's a blast. I mean, it's so much fun. Yes, it and is. I, yeah, for that reason, I'd say hold the card. Do you believe the market will keep cycling through different sectors slash sports slash genres Pokemon throughout the year? Uh, let me just sum this up really quick. Basically, what it's saying, some of the grammar is weird in there. Are we just going to keep seeing new markets come up or are we going to see basketball dominate once again once the new basketball season comes? Uh, I'm going to go with the basketball market's going to dominate again. And I don't think... I don't know how much there is left to go. Yeah, there's Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, there's Digimon. There's some other things that people partook in as as kids and you know still find some some you know enjoyment in and uh and whatnot but when it comes to like what is the heart and soul of the most people involved in the space it comes with basketball and really there just had to be some excitement there had to be some announcements of the season coming back and i've been saying it for months now as the last season wound down and Nate and I have done a lot of content. Sam has too, telling people buying the basketball, buying the basketball, buying the basketball. It came through our newsletter a million times. It came through YouTube a million times, Instagram. Um, we've really seen over this past week the prices go crazy. I mean, crazy in a smaller sense than normal. But if you look here at this YouTube video I did last week, I, I actually took over Sam Dunks for last week. I did the three basketball card market indicators, talking about Luka Doncic, PSA 10 base, uh, Zion Williamson, PSA 10 base rookie and Giannis Antetokounmpo and I was not making this video to say these are the three best cards to buy that's not exact that's not even close to what the video was it was follow these prices 
as you see these prices change, you can expect the rest of the market to start to change with it. This past week, we've seen Luca go from 1350 to 1500, Zion go from 550 to 600 to 625. We've seen Giannis go from 3300 to 3600 around there. So we are seeing more people jump back into basketball right now. And these are high volume cards. The reason why I really pointed these out is because it takes a lot of the market to buy these to move the prices on them. It is not an easy card to move the price on because there's so many that are out there being bought and sold. Their liquid, the liquidity on it's very high. Um, it also is a hard card to keep up in value because of how many there are. If a large group comes to sell at one time, the prices drop. But my whole point with this is that the basketball market is really what what this entire industry is hinged on. I I know a huge markets out there in Pokemon, huge markets in baseball between Bowman Chrome and Topps rookies. But the large majority of people that got involved got involved because of basketball, and that's going to keep going. We saw like a two-month lull maybe between like basketball winding down, baseball winding down, football you know, here, and then it gets quiet again, and that's when you start to see these Pokemon things, these Marvel Universe start to emerge. But once you see basketball come back, then you start to see everything kind of realign into place. Baseball offseason starts to come. You know, spring training starts to come. You see those Acunias go up another 50 bucks or whatever. Um, that's really where I'm at it, and I think Nate, you might agree with me. But do you have any thought on that? I am, I am definitely in agreement with you, and it's, it's, it goes along the same conversation of when to sell, right? You see all yeah. this hype, you see prices built. When do you sell? And a lot of people are like, oh, I got to sell in the playoffs. I got to sell when they're, you know, winning the championship. And what do you see? You see everyone list their cards at the same time, and so, um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know why my thought process went this way but uh <laughs> it's just you know you're watching you watch basketball go up and then go down and other things take its place well once basketball starts up again is it time to sell pokemon um we've it, already seen the time to sell football come and go right and yeah. now it's the time to buy baseball and it's time to buy basketball is it the time to sell pokemon that's the question well it, it was the time to sell pokemon ever since logan paul and logic uh dominated that one week in october and I'm not talking all Pokemon. There's Pokemon out there that people are buying up and love and collect long term. I mean, I've been doing a lot of that myself if you follow my personal page. But I'm talking like first edition and unlimited 1999 set where the general person, I could say Hidden Fates, Champion's Path, Roaring or Roaring Skies and Dragon Frontiers. And Nate would have no idea what I'm talking about most in likely. Fact, in fact, I ran across Pokemon cards like probably five times since I know he was looking for Hidden Fates and whatever the other one was that you said. Um, and uh every time i got into the store i could not remember for the life of me what in the world it was called to be looking yeah, for. so the general person has no idea what those sets are but i say 1999 first edition base set and nate knows exactly what that is i know what that is and that's exactly how it is with a lot of people out there that's all they know that's all they're going to buy and that market just rose too fast and it happens all the time um with many different many different places in the space and I'm not saying that it's a bad buy long term. I'm just saying if you're looking at a short term, like three to six month thing, you should have been selling it like a week or two ago when the hype was at the all time high for that first edition 1999 set and the unlimited set, which there's just more supply out there of those cards. Um, I think that Pokemon's a huge market going forward, though. I think that there's definitely gonna be a lot of people involved in the space. But right now, Nate's right, should be selling over the last you know month or at least three weeks up till his basketball season. And really like transition those sales from three weeks ago into these these basketball investments now um, that we're seeing. And and it, it it's really good that the basketball market dropped because new floors 
have to be made for new people to come in and buy and see opportunity. If you don't have a new floor made after a dip, what are people going to be hinging themselves on just and you know infinity rise? I mean, at least that they know they have in their mind like where can it go back to? Can Luca get back to two K if he has a triple double in the first game? Stuff like that. Um, that's important to to have in a market. And then the the my follow up question is: so the hype we watched the hype for football, right? And it was building, building, building. Season came, maybe stayed for a week or two, and then pff, right down. So we're going to watch hype get built for this December 22nd start date. At what point does I mean, it's a significantly longer season for basketball and there's significantly more people that are interested in basketball. But at what point do you sell? Because I don't think it's playoffs anymore. It's not wait till playoffs. It's is it all star break? Yeah. So let me recap for those that weren't involved in the in the space for a year, a year plus now. So last year, what we saw was. You know, a lot of people coming into the hobby between April and October. We did not have an off, a normal off season for basketball cards. We really saw um, basketball cards rise all the way up to the following season because of so many people were getting involved. Basketball season came, players started to do well, prices went even higher. January hit, December and January hit, um, and February. And I'd say a lot of people were probably funneling their money into the 2019 Prism, also, and then Christmas gifts and all that stuff. And we saw prices dip a bit. We saw prices, you know, suppressed. We saw Luca go down like. Maybe three hundred dollars for a silver PSA ten. It probably went from like fourteen hundred to one thousand or something. And I remember hearing people saying, "Like, should I be selling? Are these going to keep on going down?" Of course, that card went all the way up to nine thousand dollars. Then, uh, you know, going into the bubble, and I, it's an interesting thing because I don't think that we actually know. I think that last year was so much newness with new people getting involved that we wouldn't actually get a normal timeline. Like, sure. Maybe it was just that not as many people jumped in between January and March, which is why prices suppressed between January and March. Then COVID hits and a bunch of new people come in just like they did between uh, maybe July and November of the previous year. And then we see prices go up more. And I don't know if we can just play it like football where it's like, well, you better be selling that two weeks leading up to the season. Otherwise, in two weeks after the season starts, you're going to see value start to go down. I don't know if we can say that. Um, I think a lot more people are, you know, dedicated basketball card buyers and sellers than in football, which really hurt football. Um, I don't think that the majority of people buying football cards were dedicated sure. football card buyers and sellers for a while. Well, um, I feel like a lot of football fans in general are football fans like me. Love the Packers, watch them every week, uh, get really grumpy if they lose, really enjoy if they win. But if you're like, hey, you want to sit down and watch Joe Burrow and the Bengals play uh, Derek Carr and the Raiders? No, thank you. I would rather yeah. spend my three hours doing something else. Whereas yeah. a lot of basketball fans and basketball and uh, people that love basketball will sit down and watch Zion play um, the Knicks, even though the Knicks have nobody good because they love basketball. Yeah. I agree. I think that it'll be interesting to track. And I would probably venture to guess that, yeah, some cards of, and I think it might actually be another bubble where we saw prices rise up to the bubble. Those first eight game restart, the people that did not play well got crushed. Deer and Fox had some good games in there, but they got eliminated and those values went down a lot. We're going to see something very similar happen at the start of this 2021 season that starts in December 22nd. Um, we will see players that play poorly go down value a lot because it's just this hype here where all these cards of people, you know, wanting to prospect, wanting to think about how these guys can play, 
they play poorly, their cards are going to go down in price. But on the flip side, the dudes that play well will go up a lot. And the guys that are consistent will consistently gain value too through the season. And then to kind of hinge on where might be the sweet spot for selling, yeah, all-star break, definitely a very important time when it comes to basketball. And then also I think leading into the playoffs when people are starting to bet for those championship teams, that's a good time to sell also versus actually when your dudes are in the playoffs and then they don't play well like the Raptors and then Siakam gets crushed because he didn't play well in the playoffs. Um, it's You know, you want to make sure you're selling when people have something to buy for, not when people don't have something to buy for. Um, uh, Rage 508 card break says sell the hype, hold the goats equals the formula. I would agree if I can put that into baseball terms, I would... If I owned Pete Alonso or Eloy Jimenez, somebody like that, even though I love Eloy, don't get me wrong, and I think Pete Alonso is probably a buy because he was a disappointment this year, uh, I sell those guys if they're doing well. Fernando Tatis is doing well. I think he's probably a GOAT long-term I'm holding, even if his prices are, you know, if it's hard to pass up $300 for a card. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we got 120 live viewers. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Please you know, hop into the live feed, and we want to hear from you and uh, discuss with others, too, about the questions we're talking about just to get more, more chat in here and uh, bring more value to the people watching. So thank you so much. And also hit that like button if you can so we can get more viewers in here. Uh, this uh, is a also, fun one. Ooh, one, one yeah. second. Manny Quintana, yeah. he mentioned he did a lot of comments last week, and I agree with almost all of them. Uh, and I appreciate his comments. Baseball is a game of failure. You can't lose hope and sell because of a player had a bad season. Very true. So many people jumping ship on Vlad Guerrero Jr. I know he can't hit the ball. And he's having trouble hitting the ball in the air. But the dude had a 105 WRC plus is, or an OPS plus his first year, which is 5% better than league average hitter as a 20-year-old. And people are like, oh, he's a bust. Um, sometimes you just got to let pl young players uh, build. Yep. And I'd also throw out that uh, thing about the Cody Bellinger rookie of the year season and then played really poorly the year after his Bowman Chrome 9.5s went down to like 200 bucks for a base auto. Those peaked at around 1000 after his MVP season, I think. And, uh, of course, now they're down to maybe like $600. But still, um, that's just another example of uh, people that you know have a disappointing season and they come back and do well and oh. then their prices go back up. What's up? Uh, you were frozen there on my screen for a little bit. Am like I good two now? Seconds. Yeah, you're good now. All right. How would a father-son team with some capital get into sports cards full-time as a business? What would be the most realistic avenue? Thanks in advance for any insight. Um, I will say this. If you are looking to get involved in this as a full-time business, it will take a lot of capital investment. It will take a lot of time. It will take a lot of energy. And you really have to be in love with it because you most likely, unless you're just a absolute madman buying and selling and being able to turn these cards with grading orders and knowing which players go up in price and sets and everything. If you're looking to get into it from a shop perspective, you definitely have to acquire a shop with allocation because so many people these days are like, I got money. I want, I want to get boxes. I want to do breaks. I want to flip the boxes at distributor pricing, but you can't get that pricing unless you have allocation. Um, you need to own a shop. You have to have a storefront, a brick and mortar. It's the only way to get, to get allocation. You have to acquire something most likely and uh, like you said, you got to have a lot of capital. So it is possible. And it is a very fun thing. If you can do it and you can survive financially, I'm sure it'd be a blast for you and your son to uh, get into it or you and your dad, whoever uh, made the comment here. But uh, I think there's a, there's a lot of opportunity out there. If you if you learn from some of the really great people out there, I will say this, Jamil over at Shop Mealy Pops, he runs Mealy Stocks Weekly here. He runs a shop down in Gainesville, Florida. And the way he's able to be so successful is he is involved in like, 
every single thing possible. He he does breaks online. He does events in store. He does memorabilia. He does cards. He does different random things over here. He does a ton of Pokemon. He just caters to like everyone. And he works super hard too, which is a really important aspect. And he has a lot of great people helping him. Uh, you really need, need to have all that stuff going. If you know, if you're able to shoot him, you need, an email your, foot, or, you need your foot in every door. Yeah, and if you're able you to shoot him, willing in, to work like twelve hours a day. Yeah, yeah, and you you gotta be really good at buying too, procuring uh, procuring boxes, um, especially because you can sell out of your allocations. And then what? You're just gonna have no stock, you know. So definitely have to have to know where you're getting them from once you sell out. A very important aspect there. Um, I think you can do it. There's, you just got obviously have the capital to start it now. It's going to take much more money to start now versus two years ago and uh, be really willing to stick with it. I'd say if, if you're, you know, all in and can survive financially, go for it. I mean, it's be an awesome thing to do with your dad or your son, but I uh, definitely need to have a good action plan going into knowing exactly what you're getting into. And hopefully don't dip into like important savings. Like people have capital, but sometimes they look at it like, oh, you know, I've got, quarter of a million dollars in my uh, 401k. Maybe I'll just pull that out of that early because I know I can make money in card business and yeah. And, and make sure that you do plenty of uh, plenty of research. I just want to stress that really want to stress that know exactly what you're doing, getting yourself into and how to procure boxes, how to get distributions, all that stuff, allocations. And I know Ziggy said in here, allocation is key to open a shop. And even that is competitive. It is true. It's very hard to get allocations, especially at the old shops. And also, a lot of this has been, you know, a brick and mortar shop. You can definitely uh, just have an eBay shop with no brick and mortar, and you can buy boxes when they come out, and then run breaks, and hopefully make a little bit of money off that break to buy into more boxes to run breaks, and you know, whole nine yards. But yeah, and, uh, you, and if you're doing it without a brick and mortar, you 100% have to be involved in grading. That's where you can make um, a lot of coin, and it, it's kind of like a cycle. You gotta upfront all the capital to get your cards graded be willing to wait for three to eight months and then if you have submissions going out bi-weekly or monthly then those start to trickle back in and then you start to secure sales you know all the time when they keep rolling back in those first six to eight months are going to be a long wait um hey jack uh for places to buy both graded and ungraded obviously ebay but also uh check out my cards.com com c as i say c-o-m-c as some people say uh what other ones are there, Aaron, for graded and non-graded cards? Graded and non-graded? There's actually not that many ones. that do both. Yeah, I'd say those are two biggest that do both. All right. We got to start hurrying up here about halfway through. Why do non-serial numbered silver slash hollow parallels sometimes hold more value than serial numbered parallels of the same card? Quick comparison here. Going back to Trey Young. On October 6th and October 8th, Blue Av 175, PSA 10, 1,275. That's the fast break disco I was referring to earlier. And then the silver is going for 1,700 on October 8th. It's clear that this is all a demand thing because if it was based on supply, then the blue would be worth way more money. Uh, there's around 3,000, no, there's around like 1,800 PSA 10 uh, silver trays. And that's just the graded by PSA. It's not BGS, it's not raw. But uh, the blue of 175 right there, there's only 175, no matter the grade, no matter the company, no matter if it's raw or not. Um, it's all just a demand thing. Everyone wants the silver. It's, it's been hinged on that you know, for a while now. It's as uh, Vincent says here, silver is king. And that's just where people gravitate to, especially the newcomers in, the, in this space. Um, I, you know, what, what would I do? Would I, would I go with the silver over the blue? 
I'm not sure if I would. I do like the blue from a collectability standpoint, knowing that there's only 175 serial numbered out there, but I can see why the silver sell for more. Um, Peeps asked, does anyone else think that the box break fad might just fade? Might as well do scratch off tickets. Just saying, I think it's not fading right now because boxes are so expensive that it's hard to, it's hard to put up $500 for a prison box. But if you really like the, you know, Atlanta Hawks, you can buy their team for 60 bucks in a break and get all those cards instead of trying to buy a box and hope to see what you hit. So I don't think it's going anywhere as long as the prices remain high. Yeah, as long as people are entertaining and, uh, you know, that's what it's really for is entertainment value for sure, too. With prices in the sports car market changing rapidly in some cases, if you're trying to buy or sell a card where there have been no recent sales, how do you accurately set a price to buy or sell when last load comps are no longer relevant? This is not the best example I came up with. I was having a tough time uh, searching for eBay sales, but just the theory of that you can apply on your own is that I take a player uh, who is like the player you're looking for. So if you're looking for John Morant there, there was only one sale on October 17th, and you want to figure out October 22nd, how much should I be paying for my John Morant, but there's been no sales since October 17th. You can find a sale similar to it in a similar time frame, like a Zion PSA 9 that sold for uh, $1,800. The John Morant sold for $710. And then you can go and look at the most recent Zion sale of $1,850 and say, okay, around the same price. So on October 22nd, you can say, okay, around the same price for John Morant. Um, I think that's a very easy way to do it. If you're trying to find prices of players that don't have comps or different cards that don't have comps, find a like a like card, a like player, and do some division and math, and then figure out and multiply on what you should pay for your card. And that's a good way to get around it. It might not be perfect, but you know you can't sometimes with how scarce cards are. How do you think the market will react to the start of the NBA season, taking into consideration the players on teams that played well into the playoffs will likely ease into the season? I could see a hot start from players like Steph, but do you think his value will be overinflated and or players like LeBron, LeBron's value underinflated? So, yeah, this is where someone brought up earlier about Trey Young going for $2,000. A ton of people are buying Trey Young right now. His prison base are up to $550. They're down around $400, dollars uh, you know, a few weeks ago. I think a lot of this is due to people being like Trey is ready. Trey hasn't played since March. I think he's going to be totally energized, ready to go, going to dominate the NBA when he comes back. While someone, you know, like uh, I'm not saying, you know, Luke, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, some type of guard on a team that went deep into the playoffs is like, hey, I'm going to take the first couple weeks. Devin Booker. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, Devin, Devin Booker didn't go to the playoffs. Yeah. Devin, Devin Booker, he, hey, he's had some time I'm off. Just being, I'm just being. <laughs> I got you. Okay. How about a guy like, uh, I don't want to say Jimmy Butler because I'm sure he'll be going 100. percent But yeah. <laughs> any of those dudes, any of those well, dudes that well, the rumor is LeBron won't start, I and heard that, about that Anthony Davis is going to be feasting at the start of the season. So I think that's a good example: is that Anthony Davis without LeBron might all of a sudden have unbelievable stats mm-hmm. uh, as like the only guy there. Yeah, and then that could be huge, huge price increases. I don't know. Yeah, and any of these guys that didn't show up to the bubble of the last eight teams, you think like, I don't know, Kobe White maybe with a new coach there, maybe he's super ready to go. Uh, those are also players I do believe that you might see going up the most going into the season because people might be anticipating that now. Um, but I, I do think there will be some of that, some players resting and not going as hard. Guys like Steph and Clay, they might start the season 10-0 for all we know, you know, if they if they get out to a hot start. Yeah, uh, I, I'm glad you brought up anticipation because that's a big thing now. You know, uh, you want to find the next Luca, right? And so guys that you're like, oh, who's going to pop off to score a ton? Trey Young, 
looks like a unbelievable score. Okay, I'll get I'll invest in him. Instead of waiting to see if he does become it, you are anticipating it along those lines. You know, who becomes, and I bring him up a lot. I know I'm biased, but who could becomes the next Devontae Graham to come out of nowhere and become a solid player? And so you're looking at guys like Kobe White, though obviously a significantly higher pick. Um, guys like that, prices are going up because people are trying to anticipate who that next breakout, not necessarily all-star, but breakout guard is or breakout for forward. Sure. For sure, for sure. All right, Nate, I'm going to have to debate you on this one. I saw this was in here. How do you organize your cards and what do you do with your commons? So, Nate, <laughs> you can start in. I'll add in here after you. This was funny, though. Okay, so it uh, depends on what we were are referring co- as, you know, what we're referring to if, as commons. Um, how I organize my cards is I get a bunch of boxes and I put, I label the box with what it is, 2019 Series 2 or 2020 Top Series 1. And I put those cards in there. First, I sort out all the rookies and put those cards in there. Just rookies. The the um, Any parallels of vets, I will also keep. And then the regular cards of vets go into this next bin you see over here, the recycling bin, because I'm never going to give them away. I know that. Uh, they're just going to sit around until inevitably I throw them in the trash or something. So I... Uh, I do the recycling bin route. Of course, you can donate to Commons for Kids. That is a very good option. I am just very lazy and a significantly worse see, person than some people. See, Nate's an idiot because we're giving away national packs to kids at the 2021 Chicago National, and we're building a bunch of packs between sports and uh, Pokemon and a bunch of other things to uh, repackage cards for kids who can come up and feel like that they're shopping at a store and uh, – grab a pack off a slab stock shelf and uh, take one back home and take a couple back home probably. Because for myself, I also did what Nate did there with the boxes on the left, except I put my actual other cards in there too. And I put them in that blue thing on the right. Uh, And I saved those for years now ever since opening packs. So I'll repackage all those uh, for kids and and whoever else they want to, you know, bring into the hobby and maybe some teachers if they want to give them away to their students at school, children's hospital, any of that stuff. Um, That is definitely what I will be doing. Yeah, I don't, I'm not I don't saying it's the tomorrow. smartest option. I'm just saying, you know, I got the cards. I'm like, these are just going to sit around forever. I'm not going to do anything with them. Now, if I had known that there was places I could donate the cards, then I would probably have set them boxes, collected them, gotten big sets, and then given them away. There we go. Nate got exposed live on Slapsa. Well, I, I did. I, I, I did expose myself. You like, exposed yourself. I, I did it to be funny, but also to point out that uh, if you are going to recycle, recycle. Don't don't throw in the trash. Yeah, there we go. Got back into the hobby recently after being involved in the 90s. It seems the last big card technology innovations with refractors, die cuts, acetates, and relics comes from that era. I saw that Tops will have a black matte finish with a release later this year, which sounds new. Anything else you would like to see or have heard is on the horizon. I haven't heard of anything like really crazily new coming, but I want to point out two things I like to see done more often. One, and actually it's just one thing, just between two different sets. So on the right here, we've got the Tops Triple Threads Wooden, one of one patch auto Acuna uh, from TTT, like I said. And it's not real wood, but I would like to see more textures on cards. Not just your chrome, not just your glossy base, but textures. The Charizard on the left, which happens to be the one I just pulled today. It's not my exact card, but nice it's a good brag. picture. Humble brag. Uh 
it has texture on that card. You can kind of see it on the screen, not perfectly, but it is kind of, it'd be like a little scratchiness to it, almost like a record player or something um, on a record where it, it, it's got, it's got a really cool texture to it and, you know, stuff like metal. I know with uh, elements that they're doing that in football, but just cool stuff like that. Maybe some natural elements or some uh, texture based cards, something more than just your gloss or your Chrome, something like that. Um, and then also, Talk about innovation way back in like 2012 or 2010 or something. They were doing these uh, HRX cards from basketball products where you get the redemption, you redeem it, and they send you back this really thick looking card in a plastic case. And a lot of them don't work anywhere, but you like press a button and it starts playing highlights of the player in the card. There's like a little programmed in video in it. Really, really weird, really weird stuff. Most of them don't work anymore, I hear, but uh, it's kind of like the rage, and I never even saw one until a couple years back or a couple weeks or months back, I should say. Hmm. That's kind of cool. If you could yep. find one that's working, do you think it'd be worth anything? I think it would be. I should have grabbed some pricing on it, but that'll be maybe next week we'll look into that. I th- it'd be interesting to see. I mean, I you rarely see those things out in the wild in the market, but it's a really interesting, weird thing that they started to do. And now most of the innovation has to do with some blockchain digital crap that. Who cares about that? Unless it unless it comes with a physical card, I don't want it. No one else wants uh, it. The 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 stupid uh you're looking through eBay every night and you run into a card and you're like, that's a digital card, isn't it? And like, why would somebody pay 99 cents for this, let alone some people paying like a hundred dollars for a rare Patrick Mahomes digital rookie card? <laughs> I don't know, man. And then you got Panini Panini now selling just digital cards on their blockchain stuff and like I said, unless it comes with a physical card that's linked to it, I don't want it, and no one else does either. <laughs> Can you weigh in on PSA versus BGS? Which grader do you prefer? We'll answer those first two questions here. Would you be able to do a value analysis of BGS 9.5 versus PSA 10? Is it true that BGS 9 in general holds less value than PSA 9, but BGS 10 holds more value than a PSA 10? So we have this lovely thing called the Slab Stocks 101 playlist that Nate and I made. Uh, there's 37 videos in it. It is probably like 250, 300 minutes long with a ton of information. And most of the videos are between five and 15 minutes with everything you can think of in the hobby. And uh, share this with friends and family if you guys want to get them involved. But uh, there's a video number 33 called Grading Tiers and Values. And Nate covers it very well. So go there for the grading values and the tiers like you're talking about 9.5 versus 10 and 9 versus 9. Uh, That's where you can find that info. But we'll give some quick thoughts here on you know, PSA versus BGS. And I have some good thoughts I shared today on my live stream over on Instagram. But I really think that BGS is declining super hard, like very, very hard because PSA, number one, it's a publicly traded company that has a lot of push behind it, a lot of momentum. Um, They are doing a very good job with innovating, announcing innovations, keeping customers in the loop of how are they progressing their business to try to decrease wait times, even if wait times are still high. They're at least do- taking measures and making them known for why they're high, what they're doing to counteract it. BGS is just increasing prices, getting longer wait times with little to no good communication from uh, any you know higher up in the company. And the president of PSA is constantly in the loop with customers and always trying to do things to help. I, I We have seen BGS decline harder in the last two years. I don't want to make a statement that you know it's going to be dead, but I really think in the next three years, BGS can be insignificant in some sort. What else does Becca have besides their grading and their uh, like media guides? That's about it, I think. 
because if they don't, if nobody's listening to their Beckett uh, price grading uh, things like we did in the '90s, well, maybe yeah. not you, but I did. Oh, I um, did in the early 2000s. Yeah, that was a shot at your age there. Uh, <laughs> what? Because you're 50. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, if they don't have that and they don't have grading, what what else do they have to to fall back on? Yeah, and and I see some people saying BGS for high end cards. Um, either way, I really I really do think that their wait times are so atrocious now. People are, aren't even wanting to send them. I know that PSA's wait times are bad too, but that's mostly within the forty five to like eighty five day submissions. BGS's ten days are taking like five months to turn around right now. That is awful. That is really awful. Really, really yep. bad. Yep. And also, I will say this, their their uh, pop report is terrible too. Very bad, very hard to search. Does not return good keywords. It's really, really trash. And PSA's pop report is totally superior. Though though I will I will agree with Luke Green over here. The subgrades are so helpful. I do appreciate subgrades on the thing just to be like, hey. you know, complain when my Vlad Topscorm Sapphire gets a 10 but doesn't get a 10 uh, on the... Uh, corners i complain about that because hey. it's clearly a 10 all the way around so the subgrades are cool more information is always better than less but when your more information can switch three times between three different graders it's not cool it doesn't do anything if you can get an 8.5 subgrade one time and you send it and then a 9.5 or a 10 subgrade the next time i've seen it done before it doesn't matter Ziggy and that's knows. what i think ziggy knows dropping more more knowledge on us Beckett just lost two big graders to CGC, the new comic sports card grader that we talked about last week. We did, and Pokemon grading too. There, I will say, I would, I would, I said it last week. I realistically said that I think that CGC could be bigger than BGS because they have a huge comic book division, massive. They're the biggest comic book graders, and they could take a large market of Pokemon. They could, you know, do a lot, and they do offer subgrades too if they prove that their grades matter and that their values hold. That's really what it takes is secondary market values. And people actually sending their cards to get graded there. All right. With football cards prices dropping, do you think this is a good time to buy or do you think they'll drop further and you're, you're better off waiting for the off season? Um, so this was me, right? I believe this yeah, was me. Yeah, I just read the um, question. <laughs> yeah. So we have, I have two slides here. First one is Lamar Jackson. You can see September 20th, 2020, $2,700 to November 8th. 2020, $826. Now, the, the pop report on this Lamar Jackson PSA 10 is really small. I didn't pull up the numbers. I should. I probably should It's have. super small. It's like 20% um, are PSA 10s or less. But the reason they were so expensive was because, like Aaron said, like a 20% PSA 10 hit rate. I know guys that have sent in like 50 Lamar Jacksons, and all of them have come back PSA 9s. Very hard to get 10s. Or worse. Um, or worse. 8s is worse. very common. Or worse. There's a lot of 8s, 7s out there. Um, and so, you know, you're looking at a card that was probably propped up because of, of, uh, uh, pop report. And then if you want to go to the next slide, Aaron, you're looking at, uh, Pat Patrick Mahomes, obviously the best quarterback in football. Um, and you can see September 20th, 2020, $6,600. And then November 2nd, both of these two sales, uh, significantly less than that. Um, if you want to take the average of them, it's like $5,000, um, a little bit, maybe a little bit less than that. And so you see two big name quarterbacks, 
two really exciting quarterbacks, and you're looking at prices dropping across the board, even for guys like Patrick Mahomes who are playing really well. So definitely now is not the time to buy. We talked about this with Michael Thomas. Now, not the time to buy whatsoever. Uh, just wait till the offseason because when when a guy like Lamar Jackson, who's been who's been fine but not as exciting as last season, is dropping, that's one thing. When a guy like Patrick Mahomes is dropping and he's been as good as last year, uh, that's a whole nother thing. He's currently second. Patrick Mahomes is currently second in the NFL in touchdowns with like 26 to Russell Wilson's 28 and Aaron Rodgers is 24, I believe. Gotcha. Um, oh, All right. I really, I really wasn't paying attention that much because there's a lot of talking here about grading. And I want to address some of these comments. Okay. Uh, do you have one more thing about the football? I have one more thing. Um, talking about Lamar Jackson, right? Saying how he's been kind of, he had such a good season, you know, stratosphere, top of the stratosphere, good season last year. And this year, because he's been good, but just not as good, it's been a disappointment. Prices have dropped. Um, if you're looking at baseball, because I like to bring everything back to baseball, uh, Pete Alonzo hits 53 home runs. Prices explode. Obviously, there's no way you can ma- – you you know, high, not no way, but very, very highly unlikely that Pete Alonzo can uh, repeat a 53 home run season. So in my mind, the only area for the pri- card price to go was down – because the hype just wouldn't be there because he's not going to match that up. If you hit 35 home runs, while that is good, it's not 53. So at what point, Aaron, I was thinking about this today, at what point do we decide that a guy who has a really good season is going to continue having good seasons? Um, like Patrick Mahomes was amazing, and then he followed it up with being amazing again. Lamar Jackson, amazing. Pete Alonso, amazing. Did not follow it up with being amazing again, just merely good. Um at, how do we decide which guys are going to be like those stars that we should be like, okay, hold on to this guy and which guys are uh, merely, Oh wow. They had an unbelievable season, but I don't, you know, but that's unlikely to repeat. So like Pete Alonzo was pretty easy to call, but Lamar Jackson, I loved him. I thought he was going to do it again. Yeah. He's not. I, I literally couldn't give you an answer to that question. I'm not good at reading the football you know, market like that. All I can say is that Mahomes is uh, not in that category. Well, um, well, no. any, it, it's it's any market, any market will right, have, yeah. guys that have spectacular seasons. It's just very difficult to be like, wow, this was a spectacular season. I think he's going to keep it up compared to, wow, this was a spe- spectacular season, and this is the height. I think I think something I think something important is you always have to bring it back to either hedge your bets or sell and take some profit, or just sell and take the profit and be happy with it. You know, sell and take the profit, be happy with it. That's yeah. Key. And and that's really what matters when it comes to buying and selling and making sure you secure some some cards for uh, or some profits for you know the short term, long term, whatever. Uh, one comment I want to pick out here, and not to pick on someone, uh, but big millennial personal card collectors use BGS only. They laugh at PSA. I will say this: there are only so many million dollar cards out there. There is a million bajillion non million dollar cards out there, and the people that grade their cards that are not million dollar cards are going to decide whose company succeeds. It's not going to be the ones that are the million dollar cards getting graded. We've seen the Giannis sell the LeBron sell for million dollars. We've seen, seen the trout sell. All those were graded though, prior to 2018, 2017, even before that, most likely right when they came out. And if Beckett grades cards for people that are millionaires, that's great, but that will not be enough business to last. That's all I kind of have to say on that. Okay, moving on. 
They're a long-term investment. Tatis Series 2 or Tops Chrome. Oh my gosh, how many times have you heard this question? Um, I love the Chrome product a lot, but better than Paper of Series 2. Are you still here? Is Nate frozen? All right, Nate is not moving. If anyone can let me know, he is he's gone. Can you let me know if you guys can still hear slash see me? Nate's gone. I can uh try to take this from here to close her out. There's only two questions left. Um we have the PSA 10 series two that has 15,000 pop. The tops Chrome that has 6,000 pop. Uh, 10 rate is, I mean, the 10 amount is over two times for the series two versus the tops Chrome. And if I'm considering these two cards against each other, I'm most likely buying both. Um, I'm thinking about will people like series two or tops Chrome more going forward? Something we have no idea about. I think that both obviously are high pops. I might go and buy a gold to T-Series 2 instead to hedge my bet, make sure I have something more scarce. For Topps Chrome, I might look at a refractor PSA 10. But in, in terms of which one am I bet buying for a long-term investment, um, I would possibly go with the Series 2 just because it's such a well-known product at this point and very expensive uh, boxes and stuff. And, and I think that's a, a... And even if you guys can see there on the screen, they put it $170 for Chrome PSA 10s, 140 for Series 2 PSA 10s. Um, this switch is starting to happen possibly because people are reading pop reports now, understanding how Topps Chrome works and everything. Um, that's a chance for sure. Last one here to close it out. And it sounds like you guys can still hear me, so that's great. Sorry that Nate got kicked off. Not really sure what happened there. But And also comment here from Manny. Flagship thanks to Trout. Yes, Trout's update rookie is the only uh, really Topps flagship rookie. There's no Topps Chrome rookie. And that has definitely done wonders for the Topps update market uh, over the past couple of years. Which would you rather buy? A PSA 10 2002 Legendary Charizard Reverse Foil or the whole 2002 Legendary Reverse Foil set raw? So the set is, I think, 118 cards. I can't see it on my screen, but it's over 100 cards big. And... Oh, there Nate is hopping in the chat. <laughs> it's over 100 cards large. And the PSA 10s of this card, the last one sold like early October, I think for under $7,000. Now they're listed above 40K. So I don't really know what the true value is. But let's maybe call it something around, I don't know, 20 something maybe. Um, if I'm just choosing between the 10 Charizard or the entire set raw, it definitely depends on what the condition is for sure obviously if they're all psa ones then i'm taking the 10 charizard if they all are psa sevens then it's more of a debate i think it's really cool i have a full set of this this is one of my favorite sets so i appreciate this question uh, but the psa 10 you can't deny it. that's a very tough grade and can definitely be an important card going forward along with the 1999 first edition hollow psa 10 and the shadowless so it's a, it's a really tough call the 10 you're getting the super scarce thing a set, though, is really cool as well, but really the Charizard is what's going to drive the set value. I mean, the other cards definitely have value too, but I think that you're looking at the Charizard driving, and so I might go with that one over the full set raw. And uh, yeah, Nate's internet went on in the house, so everyone uh, give him a hard time in the comments. And last question here, I see that there was a question about Mosaic NFL 2020 worth of investment for 130 Canadian dollars. I'd say definitely not. 2020 Prism Football is on the horizon. There is plenty of other... Um, sets coming for football, like select, like optic, like contenders that people will want more than mosaic. I think it was a big mistake for people buying mo mosaic before the other products release. After those products release and the prices go down, might be a great time to jump in if it makes sense based on the prices. But 
definitely do not invest in Mosaic right now, I'd say. That's my personal opinion. I know that others have differing opinions, and I might not be right at all. But just considering what sets are left to come out, it only makes sense to me that it can't go up in value really at a fast rate or even at all with those sets coming out. And while that's one of the only products on the market that has you know pretty decent cards, I'd say, uh, with the NFL jerseys. But with that, closing out this live stream on Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern time is the time we went live for those curious just to see if you guys want to join next week. You guys check out the description of this video. There's a link to next week's question form. So please submit your questions there if they're not answered this week or if you're trying to submit them in the live stream. We will definitely get them into this presentation or try to. There's so many questions submitted. We have to pick some pick some to, to, to put in here. But uh, we hope you guys enjoyed. I know Nate uh, hopes you enjoyed too and thanks you for being here. I thank you for being here. A lot of viewers say a lot of comments and I really, really appreciate that too. So if you guys want to watch this back, it will be posted as a video on YouTube right after this. So you'll be able to get all the action that we just talked about in the live stream. There's a lot of basketball knowledge and insights in there that we talked about that are important going into next season. Thank you all to the 100 plus viewers for being here. We will see you guys next week. And Slab Stocks is out.